Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Brawn Body Podcast. This week, things are going to be a little different, and that's why I'm adding this extra note at the beginning of this episode. So to start off, we have part of my conversation with Dr. Brett Windsor today, and on Wednesday we're going through spiritual fitness. Now, today's episode is not a complete full episode as you normally would expect. This is snippets and clips of a lengthy conversation I had with Dr. Brett Windsor. I was very fortunate enough to be able to learn manual therapy uh, from him as well as pick his brain for quite some time afterwards and pick up all these new tips, tricks, and insight and advice from him. And what I'm sharing with you is a good portion of our conversation together. Uh, As you'll see in a couple minutes, I'm going to talk all about Brett, who he is, what he does, and he's going to go into detail on advice for physical therapy students, uh, physical therapy in Australia versus the U.S., how he even came to the U.S. and how he got started, and all this other amazing stuff. But I wanted to kind of go back and set the stage for you a little bit before you delved into that and just remind you that this week is going to be a little bit different. Next week, we've got some awesome stuff coming for you, including a former Major League Baseball pitcher who's going to talk about his road to the big leagues, as well as all these tips, tricks, and advice on pitching and baseball itself. So really excited for that. Following week, we've got a well-known artist and art history guy who's going to talk about creativity and how creativity makes the world and the importance of creativity as it relates to health and fitness. So awesome things coming. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. This way you can stay up to date and you don't miss things. And if you're on iTunes especially, do me a favor and leave a review. I love hearing feedback from you all and that helps me know that I'm either giving you what you want or I'm way off in left field, uh, baseball pun intended there, since we got the Major League Baseball guy coming. Um, and I'll obviously refine and revise to give you what you want, because that's what we're here for. Do me one last favor, if you could, if you like any of our podcast episodes, please share them with a friend. Make sure you're following us on social media at Braun Body. This way you can stay up to date on everything for that we're uh, doing. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to the recorded episode with Dr. Windsor. Enjoy. Well, Brent, welcome to the show. Good to have you. Hey, thanks, Dan. Appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah. So you're obviously very well known in the area of physical therapy. So what got you into physical therapy in the first place? Why PT? Well, I didn't actually choose it, Dan. Um, I was in a pretty good human biology class in high school. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do at the time. One of my teachers back then, I was I was 15 years old, mm-hmm. pulled me aside and said, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, I don't know. I said, I kind of like sports. And he said, well, you're really good at human biology and you like sports. So have you ever thought about physiotherapy? And I thought, you know what? No, I haven't. Um, but I was really into cricket at the time. And I knew there was a physio with the Australian cricket team. So I thought, you know, that looks pretty good. So I got the grades and I applied and got in. And the first day I was there, I knew I'd pick the right thing. Just loved it. Right yeah. from the start. Definitely. That's awesome. And obviously you grew up in Australia. So what brought you to the U.S. from Australia? Uh, My grandfather traveled extensively through the 50s and 60s. He was part of the worldwide Christian church. So every four years he'd attend a conference Mm -hmm. somewhere in the world. So we grew up watching slideshows. Mm -hmm. You remember not the slides we have now, but the ones went (laughs) in the carousels. 
Right. So we grew up watching that. So I grew up with a travel bug. And I think also there was a lot of people coming to talk to us while we were in physio school, offering us the chance to come. Um, back in the late 90s, America needed a lot of physical therapists. So all of those things just kind of gelled together. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know, it's just a feeling in me that I, I wanted to do more than what I probably would have been able to do on Perth. I just wanted to get out there. So I did. Yeah, definitely. Nothing wrong with that. No. And with that, Australia tends to be a little bit ahead of the U.S. when it comes to physical therapy for many interventions. Have you noticed any differences between the way physical therapy, exercise, those things are done in Australia compared to the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, I haven't worked in Australia for a long time now, the best part of 25 years. I'd say 25 years ago, that was very true. I would say Australia was very much ahead of the U.S. in, in almost every respect. Mm -hmm. I, I think over the last, particularly the last 15 years, the U.S. has really caught up. I mean, the education you guys are getting now is at least the equal of the education I got, and in many ways, probably superior. We have a different healthcare system. Mm -hmm. So where we've got a government, a single payer system, we also have a private system as well. But in the United States, we have a fee for service system where you pay to get things done. And there's a lot of incentive to do things. So right. we tend to overuse healthcare services and we especially overuse expensive healthcare services. In Australia, there's because the government's paying for a lot of the care, the public system's taking the cost. There's a lot of emphasis on trying to decrease money put into it so we tend to lean a lot more on physiotherapy early. Um, my first job was at a community center, and I was a physio in the community center. We had primary care, we had pharmacy, we had x-ray, we had lab techs, we mm -hmm. had gastroenterologists, we had psychology, social work. So there was a lot of different um, services in one building, and everybody went through primary care first. And if it was musculoskeletal, it went to physio. Mm -hmm. so, and I had a waiting list when I started. I had you know, 30, 40 people on a waiting list. And I was constantly churning that over to try and get people seen. So I think it's just a different system and a different mentality. And although I think Australia is very well known um, for a lot of the manual therapy, particularly, you know, some pretty famous, you know, therapists, Peter O'Sullivan, Jeff Maitland, mm -hmm. um, all came from those parts. But I think the gap's really closed here, you know, especially over the last 10 years. Definitely. And do you see the United States kind of shifting towards kind of what Australia has been doing for years from the healthcare side of things to more of a PT first, so to speak, kind of model? Yeah, I, I think I do. And if you consider where I work now, mm -hmm. uh, you know, our primary mantra is PT first, is yep. get people in first. There's evidence starting to build behind. We've got a really good track record of getting good results and great outcomes if we do start PT first. And I think particularly employers are starting to realize that PT as a first intervention can save a lot of money. Yep. So patients like it. Patients like the access. They like that it's non-invasive. They like that it's conservative. And then it, it literally saves downstream healthcare costs. Right. So I think the system is starting to realize that it's broken. Mm -hmm. I think PT still got a lot of work to do to position itself as a legitimate first option. Most people we talk to now don't understand that the value of PT first, so it's a huge education campaign. But if you think of where I work now, ATI physical therapy and our size and scope, we are definitely starting to make inroads and talking to consumers about healthcare. Right. We're trying to change the system, disrupt the system, right. rather than be disrupted by what's going on. Right. And for PT first, you're not just talking about outpatient orthopedics here. You're talking across the board, whether it's, you know, physical therapy playing a role in the emergency room or in the inpatient environment. I mean, I think the evidence is pretty consistent, getting people up, moving and doing something or starting with a musculoskeletal screen 
uh, I think the stat was 60 to 65% of patients who report to the emergency room are complaining of musculoskeletal related issues. So it makes sense. Why would we not streamline this process? Yeah. Uh, so I think you're really touching on some great points. And this is something that obviously is going to impact people across the whole nation in all areas of healthcare and not just that outpatient ortho kind of setting. Yeah, to your point, I mean, think about this one statistic. More people with acute low back pain will go to an emergency room as a first point of contact than will go to a PT. 3% mm-hmm. of people with acute low back pain will consider PT as their first stop. Mm-hmm. 16% will go to chiropractors and over 60% will go to PCPs. Mm-hmm. So there's a really big imbalance here to redress. Definitely. Now, you kind of touched on manual therapy a little bit in there as well. So on the topic of manual therapy, there tends to be, I don't want to say a stigma, but this kind of attitude about it where people either love it or they hate it. Some therapists really embrace the manual therapy model. Others barely ever do a mobilization. Patients, some of them love mobilizations and they'll come in asking for them and others will be begging you not to do it. So where do you think this kind of divide on manual therapy came from and what do you think the best path forward is for patients, therapists, uh, as it relates to manual therapy? Yeah, I think you're right, Dan. I think there definitely has been a you know, stigma and a divide. I, I think a lot of it's come from, I think we've imposed a lot of it on ourselves and we've created a separation between those who do manual therapy and kind of elevated themselves a little bit over those who don't do manual therapy. And I think a lot of it also came from that the profession was slow to realize that there was benefit in manual therapy. And I think we're in a situation right now where we've got to find some middle ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, the evidence is clear, is relatively clear that manual therapy does play a part, but mm-hmm. manual therapy can't be the only thing. Exercise can't be the only thing. And especially now, as we start to look at a more neurophysiological construct for the success of manual therapy, we can understand then that the two have to blend together. Right. Outcomes research is pretty overwhelmingly starting to show now that when patients get more manual therapy early, Mm-hmm. less length manual therapy late and a progressive aggressive exercise program in the middle that's tied to developing responsibility on the patient's part to increase their function that's when we tend to get the better results and, and the outcomes on that are pretty clear now so i think the path is clear i think the mix is becoming more acceptable to people i don't think the stigma is there as much mm-hmm. the, the the obsession with manipulations kind of died off over the last 10 years it's now i think recognized as having a place but not the place mm-hmm. i think it's just important that we continue to follow the evidence focus on the evidence and not allow ourselves to kind of go down the path of getting sucked into guruism you know and right. by that i mean people who say something and expect people to believe it just because they say it um, mm-hmm. we've got to stick to the evidence as best we can and allow it to guide us not dictate but guide the path. Definitely. Um, now, there was a guest I had a few weeks ago, Dr. Kyle Bowling. He's a chiropractor based yeah. out of Kentucky, yeah. and he had a statement that I really liked, that chiropractors are becoming more like PTs, and PTs are becoming more like chiropractors, in that PTs are doing a lot more mobility that was typically seen with, seen with chiropractics, whereas chiropractors are now doing a lot more exercise and eye stim and other modality type things you typically associate with physical therapy. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on how physical therapy and chiropractics are kind of similar, different, and kind of interplaying on one another? Yeah, I I think the key thing for me there is to understand that PTs and chiropractors are both coming at the problem from a very similar space. Mm -hmm. 
although PT has always been very closely associated with Western medicine, we've always been a conservative, non-invasive, relatively cost-effective approach. Chiropractic has also always been a non-invasive, fairly cost-effective and aggressive manual therapy approach. So if you look at, if you, if you work from that angle and we're both looking at it from the same lens as to how we enter the healthcare system and how we help patients, and then you start to understand that I think, I think both groups now understand that this is not a biomechanical construct. I think even the most diehard chiropractors would probably admit that the evidence supporting your you know, misalignment and adjustment theory probably isn't there. Mm-hmm. And so if PTs are accepting neurophysiology and the chiropractors are working at neurophysiology, then we both also buy into the idea that it has to be manual therapy and exercise. And I think you just have groups of practitioners that are more biased one way and less biased the other way, then you get the intermingling. So I, I think bottom line is I do. I, I think we're both headed in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And I do think that chiropractic and PT are a hell of a lot better together than they are apart. And I think you've seen that over the last 10 years, though. There was a period around the turn of the century into the early 2000s where PTs and chiropractors were at each other's throats all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's kind of an uneasy truce now where I think we both recognize the advantages and disadvantages of each. And I, I hope and I would like to see us cooperate much more thoughtfully as we go forward because I think we've got a lot more in common than we don't. For sure. Definitely. Now, kind of taking a little step back off manual therapy and offering advice to current students and other professionals in the realm of physical therapy, um, is there anything that you've done uh, throughout your career, throughout your uh, just personal journey that you wish you kind of did differently or learned a little earlier? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think by and large, no. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I think I wish I had done my PhD earlier. Yep. But then again, I, I look at when I did my PhD and I look at where I was and I'm not sure I could have done it earlier. Mm-hmm. I think, I wish I had a, I had a bit of a gap. I had about a five year gap really between when I graduated in 94 and then when I really started taking the manual therapy programs seriously and probably around 98, 99. So I kind of feel like I didn't do a whole lot for five years there. But then again, I also think, you know what, that's okay. I did other things. I traveled, I worked. You know, the, the, what I'm really happy I did is I worked in skilled nursing facilities. I worked in acute care. I worked in um, intensive care. I worked in a rehab hospital. I did weekend work. I did night work. I even did some pediatrics and some home care. Mm -hmm. So whether I deliberately did it or it just happened because of the circumstances of life, I put myself in a situation where I was working in a lot of clinical settings. I saw sick people. I saw real people who are really struggling with social problems and domestic problems. I saw a lot of different ways of treating patients. So I think now that really set the platform for me to be successful, you know, to whatever extent I have been at handling orthopedic manual therapy because I had such a wide perspective as what's going on. So, you know, overall, no, I, I really don't regret anything I've done. Um, I, I really am happy with the path I've taken and I think it's all prepared me to be where I am today. I mean, I had five years there in the mid-2000s, you know, 2005 through about 2000, or maybe a little early, three through eight, where I really was out of PT. Mm-hmm. I was doing other things in healthcare administration. And I think all of that's combined together to give me the opportunity I've got today. Definitely. Yeah. It sounds like you really embrace the concept of being a generalist in a world of specialists, so to speak, is you started from a 30,000 foot view, seeing patients of all walks of life in all different states, and then kind of narrowed down from there into your specialty of manual therapy at this point. Yeah. Whereas it seems like a lot of people, especially in today's day and age, kind of work in the other way. They want to go right into the specialty and jump right into that one thing and be really good at that one thing and figure out the rest later. 
So I kind of like how you're starting broad and then narrowing down uh, again when at a time when most people are doing the exact opposite. Yeah, you know, it may be everybody's in a hurry today. Everybody yep. wants to achieve and achieve and achieve. And I, you know, I really do think that you've got to allow yourself as a person just time to there's nothing wrong with floating a little bit for a while until you really work out what that passion is. And I think you hit on it, Dan, is the thing that really came through for me is I understood the healthcare system. I understood what sick people are like. I knew the consequences of how far these diseases and things could go if they weren't managed properly first. So I, I, you know, I do think you're right. And I think, but once, even within the body now, I mean, if I was back in a clinic right now, I wouldn't feel comfortable treating the whole body. I mean, I'm a spine guy. I treat the spine. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people out there who can do a heck of a lot better job than me with the foot and with the knee, with the ankle and with the shoulder. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't propose to be an expert there, but I can do the basic things well. And then I can recognize when somebody needs something that I don't have and I can get them to the right place. And that's part of, I think, going through that process of not being specialized early. Yep, for sure. And I think it speaks a lot to your character that you have the intention of tapping out when you know that you can't provide what that patient needs is I know a lot of physical therapists might go at it and say, well, you know, I'll still give it a try. I'm sure I can figure it out as I go kind of thing. Whereas you're the type that says, you know, I can help this patient, but I know someone else who can help them better. And instead of me just going at it to the best I can, maybe it's like a hand problem or something, I'm going to send them to someone who specializes in that because it's better for the patient. You know, you might get the money if you treated them, but it's not the best thing for the patient if you treat them as opposed to referring it out to someone who specializes in that. Yeah, look, when I was younger and early in my career, I felt that way. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be the guy. I, yeah. I didn't want to think that there was anything I couldn't do better than anybody else. But as you get more experience, you, you tend to start gravitating towards the things that you really like to treat. And you become really good at it. And I, and I think once you get a base of success behind you, but once you prove to yourself that you can do this and you can get patients better, I think your level of security goes up. Mm -hmm. Once you get to that point, you don't worry about sending other patients out because there's nothing wrong with admitting that, look, I can't do everything. I can't be the best possible provider at all levels of care. So you just have to develop that comfort level. I, I think the best thing that happened in my career was when I realized that I couldn't get patients better. Mm -hmm. It wasn't on me. I couldn't fix somebody. I couldn't change something. All I could do was create the best possible conditions for a patient to get better themselves. And I think once that shift happened, you know, look, it's impossible. When I was out of school, the amount of research devoted to physical therapy was was, was very small. Mm -hmm. It has exponentially decreased. When I, in the mid-90s, you could relatively, it was possible to have a pretty good grasp of the entire knowledge of body of knowledge around PT. There is no possible way to do that. Mm -hmm. So the idea that somebody can be the best spine therapist in the world, the best knee therapist, the best shoulder therapist, the best hand therapist, it's, it's just, it's not possible. So I would really strongly advise work generally for the first three to five years, mm -hmm. see as much as you can, as many different places as you can, as many circumstances as you can at either end of the lifespan. And one, But once you work out what you really want to do, then go for it. And don't worry about anything that falls outside of that mm -hmm. because you'll find that as much as you send patients out that you can't handle, you'll start getting patients for the stuff you can. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see surgeons do shoulders. You're not going to go get ankle surgery from a shoulder guy, an orthopedic surgeon. Right. So I, we've got to have the security in ourselves as professionals to feel exactly the same way. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, now to kind of wrap this up for physical therapy students who kind of have to 
learn everything, so to speak. You're covering peds, neuro, ortho, you name it. Uh, do you have any advice for the students as far as what to do while they're in school, whether it be studying, experiences, or anything of that sort for their two to three precious years in uh, physical therapy school? I'd say one, don't try to be perfect. Mm -hmm. but no, when you get out of school, nobody cares what your GPA was. Nobody cares your grades. All they care is that you got a license. So don't try to be perfect. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the second thing, so give yourself a break. I think the second thing um, that I'd really, really say to people is embrace the things that you know you're probably not going to like. Look at it as this is the only opportunity I'm going to have to learn this material. And trust me, the material you don't like that you didn't really want to spend time on, it will participate in your career long down the line. So, you know, just a, a perfect example yesterday is um, uh, we were talking to a, a group of pediatric therapists about possibly working with us further in the future. I am not a pediatric therapist, but I spent eight weeks in a home care pediatric um, uh, internship when I was in physio school. Mm. And I, I didn't choose it. I was too young and stupid to realize the value <laughs> of it, but they made me do it. So right. I'll do it. And you know what? I loved it. I, I wouldn't want to do it for a career, but I draw on that experience today mm -hmm. is knowing what young developmentally disabled kids look like and how to deal with you know young individuals on the spectrum and what to do in certain circumstances. And it carries through today. So it is three years, it goes so quickly. I mean, I've been doing this for 27 years now and it goes so fast. Mm -hmm. So just relax, don't try to be perfect, enjoy it and just take what comes. And if somebody offers you an opportunity to do something different, embrace it and do it. Yeah, There's plenty of time to narrow down afterwards. Don't try to do it all when you're in school. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Dr. Windsor, Brent, thank you so much for your time and for uh, coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for inviting me down. It's great to have a chat with you. Cheers.